guys, welcome to episode seven of the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. Todd, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Loving life, you know, in the den, hanging out. Get to yep. talk another week in sports. Oh, what, plenty of eventful sports going on this fall, that's for sure. I know, it's been so much, it re, it's a little overwhelming, and I kind yep. of feel like we talked about it last week, and, and we've talked about it a bunch of times, like, they don't feel like they're placed properly. Like, I had two fantasy football teams, I'm not paying attention to anything, because I'm still trying to watch basketball, I'm keeping up with a baseball season that seems like it was non-existent. It's weird. Yeah, baseball season's weird. Um, I think the NBA has, you know, tried to go up against football, and it's been a colossal failure. Epic loss. <laughs> um, a couple, couple of those games, a couple of those playoff games went right up against uh, NFL Sunday, and it's like, what are you doing? Well, that that's like yeah, stupid. Yeah, you might as well you play the game in the morning if if anything. Like, yeah. it's just it's, it's. I mean, they can do they they can play the games anytime they want. They're sitting in a bubble. There's no fans. Yeah, and you I know, love they can, the. They can move the times around anytime they feel like it. And you know me, I love the NBA. I love basketball. Yeah, like by far my favorite sport. And and but I, right. I'm like, it's been going on for a year without a break. Like without the buildup of the draft and the and free agency, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm just like. Ugh. Yeah. No, and I'm I with still you. Want the, and I'm still with the Heat, but you know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not feeling so, as nearly as confident as I was in I mean, previous you weeks. Made a very yeah, the hot take on the heat. Yeah, I, I, I think I might. That that's going to come to bite me in the ass down the road. Probably. Um, what do you think but, of the NFL well, this week? Um, yeah, I mean it was it was a pretty eventful week. Um, I watched that Sunday night game, of course, the 49ers. They blew yep. that game. So that you know, that's the game I'm usually paying attention to. Classic Niners fashion. Oh yeah, backup quarterback. They got you know they tried to sneak a sneak another start out of them and they got burned for it. Yeah. So I was definitely paying attention to that game. Um, I was also I, I thought Seattle late almost laid an egg on the road in Miami. Miami yeah. played pretty well. Miami's um, looking good. Yeah, they're well coached. Um, they can get hot. They know what they're doing. It's not the not your same old Miami Dolphins that, that you know you just easy pushover win. But if they could have just punched the ball in the end zone a couple of times, they could have beat Seattle. I thought. Do you foresee a uh, a situation where Tua actually plays the season, or do you think he's he's out for the whole year? Well, it's going to depend on how Fitz Magic plays. I mean, if he's if he's playing like I would say week one and week two, yeah, then you might as well get two out there. But if he's yeah. keeping them competitive, then I think the more – I think in Tua's situation, because he's coming off that dislocated hit, yep. the more you can get – the more you can get out of Fitzpatrick, the better. And Tua just, you know, continues to, to learn the offense and get healthy. Yeah, Flores in that group is going to be back. Yeah, Flores in that group is going to be back next year. So you learn the offense, yeah. you study. Yeah. You get that professional weight room, you know, with those guys, get used to the uh, – what do you call – used to the system, you're used to the NFL. Right. Well, I watched – uh, woke them up a little bit too, yeah. I watched on YouTube uh, the, uh, the GQ Sports, like how I spent my first million dollars. And my man is smart. He's only spending his endorsement money. Tua? Yeah. I must give, I give him a lot of credit. And he only bought, like, a Rolex and some diamond earrings. <laughs> 
got to get the die up in the air. You got to get the die. And he That's goes, I could have gotten a pair of Claire's. Wasn't really. What, uh, <laughs> what about the chain? You probably get a nice there, big die. There was no chain. chain. He said Apple That's Watch. Good. He did Apple Watch, earrings, and a Rolex. Rolex. And a Rolex was for his dad. Wow. That's dig, I dig him. I dig him. <laughs> yeah. Like that tell that you know what that tells me he's probably gonna be pretty successful in the pros. <laughs> exactly. I would especially at the quarterback position. I'd have that big diamond chain too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you got like the the guys are they're wearing those black diamonds now. Like Mahomes had that huge black diamond chain he's wearing. It's pretty sick, actually. It's gonna be pretty soon. Like they're gonna that, they're gonna run out of types of diamonds. They're gonna just go straight for blood diamonds and see who uh, has the most blood diamonds on their neck. Yeah. <laughs> um. I watched uh, the Cowboys. I've been very invested in the Cowboys. Yep. Uh, well, not that's being, not being a huge Cam yeah. fan. So no, yeah, been, you're not in, on Cam. I'm not in on Cam, so I've been kind of a little sour on the Patriots. Well, not, he, you know, he's got the coronavirus now, so you think he's going to make it? I would really love for him to <laughs> never come back again. I just don't. Does he have it. symptoms? No, I think he's got like light, light to mild. Oh, he actually has. I, th- I think, well, you know, the, the cough and the stuff he knows. I don't think it's like oh, yeah. full blown. Like, get to worry about it. Like, you know, going to the hospital situation. But right, still, and so symptoms nonetheless. Yeah, well, all I've been hearing about is how he went to dinner with Stefan Gilmore on Friday, and then they tested positive, or or Cam Newton tested positive on Saturday. And Gilmore and just played. He's like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. Gilmore, bro. we just found out the other day that he was positive. Yeah. But he, they they sent him to the game. They actually, they actually sent two planes over. Um, one with the close contacts of Cam Newton yeah. went out of Providence. They sent them to TF Green <laughs> Airport, and then the other, the rest of the team went over in a separate plane, and they flew in the day of, and it showed. You know, they got beat up by Brian. You know, Brian Hoyer starting they got beat up by the defending Super Bowl champs. What do you make it a halftime? So rough week. What's that? Hoyer made it to what halftime? I think he's he came out for the second half. Yeah. But he got benched her. eventually. Well what do you expect from him? I he's mean, a good back you don't he looks really, good holding the clipboard. That's about it. That's all he is. I mean Brian Hoyer, come on. I mean you know what you're getting with Brian Hoyer. He stinks. He made he's made a great career of being average to below average. And he's been in what, ten ten years now? He's been in the league long enough to not look that bad, is my opinion. He's probably texting Tom Brady and be like, yo, can it's you get also a trade not surprising. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Brady loved having him as a backup, because he was zero threat. No pressure. None. He was basically his caddy, and that was it. So now he's getting, he has to play on short notice, and he just looked terrible. Awful. So. Well. That's what, that's what so, yeah, I mean, we had the two – I mean, really the biggest story I would say is what is the NFL going to do with these, you know, these COVID positives, right? So, I mean, I don't see what – I don't see what the problem is, which is adding a couple weeks on to the end of the season. And then, you know, you got like a Tennessee Titan team that they're going to need to just play that game at the end of the year. You know, you they can – they can do whatever they want. They can move the playoffs back. They can play the Super Bowl at the end of February if they have. If they well, really there's going to be no basketball. There's, baseball is going to be postponed, most likely. Well, the NFL doesn't care about other sports. Other sports have to care about the NFL for ratings, but the NFL could do whatever they want, especially with the Super Bowl. I mean, 
there who knows at this point there probably will be fans in, present for the Super Bowl yeah. because you're already seeing fans present at games as it is. Yeah. Whether it'll be full capacity, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the Super Bowl is in Tampa, so you know Ron DeSantis just basically gave the you know the all the football stadiums free reign to be at full capacity with no restrictions. So you know they're going to probably have some fans at the Super Bowl. Yeah, like, I would, you would assume that that's going to be bought, collect, that'll be bar, collectively bargained, right? Obviously, they'll have the players have to approve that, or no? No, I, I don't think that players don't have to approve of that. No, um, that's that's up. Really, it's up to the league and it's up to the team. I would add um, two weeks in the middle of the season where you just had a two week break and any extra well, games have, get played. You could do that too, where yeah. everybody just takes a couple of weeks off, and, unless the, except for the teams that that need to play. I mean, yeah. Basically, all you're talking about is adding weeks into the season, adding additional bye weeks. Yeah. Like, the players would love that because it gives their bodies time to rest up. Yeah. And you know, it get uh, as a fan that would be great because you get extra weeks of football to watch. Like, the exactly. season goes on longer. Well, who who who's not going to sign up for that? And especially so like, there's going to be less games in those in those weeks. So you're going to get yeah. more, 10 so times get more, more eyes on, eyeballs on yeah. the team. And more like nationally televised type things like your Thursday night footballs, you know. Yeah. So, like, and they're, look, they're going to need to do something. I've heard some really, like, wacko theories as to what they can do. Like, you know, maybe they just let, you know, let them play whatever amount of games and then let's go by winning percentage at the end of the year. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but the bottom line is I don't understand what the NFL, like what's the hurry? Just add the extra weeks, move back to playoffs, move the Super Bowl back, and yeah. they're fine. We'll do this later. And they like, don't need to cancel the games. And they certainly – like you get some of these guys like Schefter and, and those guys. It's almost like they want to see the, the season gets like canceled. Well, there's more to report yeah. about if they get it's like, canceled. Yeah, it's like what do you – they're, they're raising these, like, well, how is the NFL going to even make it through the season? It's like, they're going to – they'll be fine. I mean, it's bound to happen. You just – you move through it. You work through it. Maybe Chef is jealous that Woj had to uh, – had got to go to the bubble. Maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's astonishing how many of these guys, like, they it's, – it just seems like they're rooting for, for you know, more COVID positives. So I, I, I think they – they, they, they have a little bit of an axe to grind with the front office in the league. Yeah, and so, but I think they that that's my theory. I think that they like, you know, they they take their opportunity to take a jab at Roger Goodell and his staff, basically by calling them out like they're not prepared for this. They, you know, they they did it all wrong. They they don't know what they're doing, and in a lot of cases, they you know they, they've got a legitimate beef because. The NFL has handled a lot of situations poorly over the years. But this one hasn't really been one of them yet. Not yet. I mean, you're going to see they're, they're, they're launching an investigation into what happened with the Patriots. Who knew about this? Now it's this big dinner between Gilmore and but Cam it's also, Newton's like this but, big hot topic. There's always investigations in the NFL, and you never hear anything yeah. of it. And then also, you know what I also I think it's it, maybe what the what the media <laughs> looks for. It's kind of like – you look at the NBA bubble, whether you like what they did or not is irrelevant. That's not even part of the question, but they had a comprehensive plan of what they were going to do, what was going to happen. 
mm-hmm. all laid out for everybody. It's very transparent. And the NFL is doing what the NFL does. It's kind of like, you know, you don't need to know. We'll tell you what's going to happen later. Right. There's no, they play very everything very close. There's, to the a, made, there's a definite arrogance when it, with, with the NFL. No, I mean, because they know they're the top dogs and they, they're going to do what they want to do. And then with all the with all the ratings dwindling for all the other sports, they, they they're oh, just sitting terrible. there smiling. Yeah, oh. yeah, absolutely. So I mean, they'll end up having to put some extra weeks on the end of the season, or you know, that's not a terrible idea. Put it in the middle of the year. I don't know how that might work, um, just from this from a schedule perspective. Yeah, you know, true. Far. Um, like you said, tack you it on, it on the, I think, yeah. like you said, you're going to need two weeks. So whether you tack it on the middle or the Probably end. or two weeks. You know, yeah. I'd even do three. You yeah. know, why Why not? And then if you don't need the third week, you, you don't need it. Yeah. You know, but – and then if – look, if the team – if you got, like, teams that don't need to play the extra games, then great. They get the time off. Yeah. And some people might say that's not fair, but this is a weird season. This is kind of un- – this is definitely unprecedented, so – you know, you gotta you gotta roll with it. It's either okay. that or or you don't play. So I, I think that's a pretty easy answer. Don't you think you can, it's kind of like if if there was no issues, it would everyone be like, oh, like kind of what happened? Like you went through it, no problem. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that you're starting to even have people say that. Like most most of the you know chatter I've heard, if you will, has been like, what's the big deal? Like these guys don't have symptoms, or mm. they're gonna be fine, and you know. I think that there's that sentiment now that's like, look, okay, well, you've seen it in baseball. They're going to have positive tests. Okay. You deal, you manage it, you work through it, and you, you keep it moving. Yeah. All right. It's not like it was before where everybody's, you know, calling for the season to shut down. Yeah. Like, no. like in baseball when the Marlins yeah. had that outbreak. They Up got through that fine. Nobody even talks about that anymore. Well, you know what? It's funny. It's like almost like the other sports for the guinea pigs and NFL is kind of being like, all right, we see what you did and we're going to take the best parts of of all the sports yeah. and kind of, you know, roll with it. Right. So I think, I think really if you're talking about like what the biggest storyline of the NFL was, you know, this past weekend, definitely that. And I, I hope it's isolated to that weekend. I, I don't think it will be, but we'll see. Who knows if the Titans are even going to play. Yeah. Next weekend, so I mean, I kind of feel for me to be the story. I kind of feel as if if they start seeing stuff being postponed and canceled, I think the players might be like, "Oh my god, maybe yeah, a little bit more careful." If they're being, you know, maybe you know, maybe maybe they don't want to get postponed. Maybe they don't want the season to to be an extra couple weeks. Maybe they're just like, "Yo, we want to get this over with to go back home." But it's I, only an extra couple weeks yeah. for for the teams that need it, and they'll end up having the same amount of buys. So it's just like, you know, in college football, you, you play your last game around Thanksgiving, you know, end of, end of, thing, end of the November, early December, and then your bowl season starts mid to late December. If you're in the, if you're in the, uh, the playoff, that doesn't start till January. So you get like a month plus off That's in college. So it's not like that crazy yeah. to think. And, and you know what? In football, it's good. Heal up. Give give these teams a little bit of, of time to get their to get healthy a little you know before the playoffs, so you can have these like nagging lingering issues, and you get probably a better product in the field in the playoffs. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Because I mean, that's injuries play such a huge role 
in playoff runs. And it gives everybody a fair Maybe advantage and a time to, time to heal. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I mean, the Players Association should love that. Player, player safety. We're taking it seriously. Um, yeah. So you really care about player safety, huh? Yeah. Um, what so. do you think? Uh, so uh, we're going to go to who won the week? Brady or Belichick? Right. Um, we'll let you go first, but I think it's going to be unanimous. I think <laughs> it's pretty obvious. This week. Yeah. It's a little, uh, little obviously, we're, we're, we're going week to week on this. Um, yeah. I, you got to give Brady this week um, just because – I mean, I don't think Belichick really had much of a shot. He's playing on the road. He's got two team planes flying out. He's got a starting quarterback with a positive COVID test. He's, so he's running Brian Hoyer out there. Um, they flew in the day of the game, and they played at, you know, the Super Bowl champs. They, yeah. You know what? I, it's, you know, Belichick had his team ready to play in the first half of that game, yeah. especially on defense. So it's not like they went out there and laid an egg. But you, you know they did, did the, you know they did kind of get blown out at the end. So you got to go with Brady. Yeah, no, what I about agree. you? I, I I'm I'm Brady all the way. I think uh, Belichick did the the you know best with the hand he was dealt. Um, yeah, know, like he I put on it, a good showing. Like it was when I started to look back at it, it was actually closer than I than I thought than I thought it was going to be when I was trying to make. Yeah, it that game was tight in the first half. Yeah, because if you have Cam Newton, um, then what do you what do you think? That, you know. That's a winnable game. Maybe. Maybe well, you know. then, but you got to – I wonder if – I, I got to ding Belichick a little bit for, for rolling Brian Hoyer out there. And he stuck with him way too long. I feel like he should have he should have had Stidham ready to start. He's better. Um, or at least he's got a higher ceiling for sure. That's obvious. And he, he stuck with Hoyer way too long. So that, that hurts him this week too. Yeah. So, so I think we'll we're – I think they'll get off the bat. How many weeks are we now? We're at week uh, week four, so we're what three was, one? Are we are we are we two yeah. two? Are we are we two two or are we? I three, think one? I got it three and one. Three I one. Think that's Brady's first win yep. of the year. So three one. In the divorce. Yeah. This one was obvious. You knew Brady was going to get a couple wins. It's not going to. Well, we both, know the, div- we, we both know the divorce proceedings aren't always uh, that great. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> we both know it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> exactly. Divorce hashtag divorce yeah. guys night out. Um, yeah. Mailbag question for this week is from Brian in Southern California. Dodgers of the field. Well, didn't we do that last week? Dodgers of the field for my brother. Uh, I might have the wrong one up. Let me check. Give me one second. Yeah, that's where we we were talking about starting uh, to play out. Let me pull it up for a second here. Sorry, right. pulling up my email. I'm, I'm botching this episode. I apologize. Uh, one second. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure you already answered that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the other email. Do you have it on yours? Do you remember what it was? I thought it was because uh, I actually got excited about this because um, it was about the Yankees and why they were starting Tanaka in game three versus game two. There we go. There we go. One second. You're right. Where is it here? 
from Justin in Connecticut. Right? right? Yep. All right. Why are the Yankees starting Tanaka in game three instead of game two? Well, I, now – so the question came through yep. early. Correct. And so I'll give you my – well, there's two answers to it, really. I think the initial answer was, you know, in a five-game series – the thought is game three is always the swing game. Mm-hmm. So you're either up to nothing or you're down 0-2 or, or, you know, a lot of cases, if it's tied at one, you win that game three, you go up to one, you really, you know, you're in good shape. So I think that was the initial thought process of starting in game three. And then um, also Tanaka pitches really well or traditionally has pitched really well with extra rest. So I think that they wanted to kind of give him that to see, you know, just to get the best out of him. So I think those are the two reasons mm-hmm. that he started. I mean, now we have, we've seen how it played out a little yeah. bit. And um, what'd you say? Sorry, I lost you there for a sec. What'd you say? Uh, because you know, they, they tried to start the kid on Tuesday. Yeah. And they tried this cute opener strategy and brought in Jay Happ in the second inning. And he That's probably, Jay Happ does, he gave up a couple home runs and all that momentum was lost from that nice game one win that they had. So, I mean, and I guess really it made sense at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just didn't work out. And I still, I, th- I think I still would have been behind it if they actually let Davey Garcia pitch the game like a regular starter. I think yep. I still would have supported the theory. But if they were just going to do that, just start Tanaka in game two. doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. They, they tried to get cute, and they tried to, like, out, out-raise the raise. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's never, that's, never that's good what the raise would do. You know? Right. Well, you being the baseball guy, I'll leave that question up to you. <laughs> well, what's your take on it? <laughs> I would have started Tanaka in three. Well, uh, yeah, especially with that's just hind- we have the we have the advantage of hindsight now. Exactly, too, so. but that you know, that's me. Right. I, I haven't. I, if you know, if we're being honest to you and the listeners, I've been kind of a little absentee from it as much. Oh, okay, fair this enough. This season, if I'm being totally honest, that's why that's, I kind of deferred on that one. That's okay. <laughs> we have a second mailbag question because we had a, a shorter opening this time. From Chris okay. in Boston. Um, with you guys uh, both having uh, successful careers, what made you guys want to start a podcast? Well, I think we've been talking about it for so long. I think there's two conversations that most buddies have at one point or another. A lot of them take place in bars or at a party or yeah. something like that. And it's usually number one is let's, we should open a bar together. I think every, every group of friends has had that idea we've some have even taken it to actual like doing it yeah um and then the other one is we should have our own podcast so (laughs) so we've been talking about it for a while because just really we're a couple opinionated guys and um so it just made sense when the opportunity came presented itself yeah right what would you say i would agree i think um any opportunity to, to talk sports um, and especially to do it with one of your buddies, you know, like right. we have conversations when you and I are out, when we're out with friends, when we're out, right. uh, when I'm at work, 
uh, it's cool. And then I always listen to podcasts. I watch a lot of PTI, watch a lot of Sports Center, and I'm always like, I can fucking do that. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Well, and, I'm a huge fan of uh, Outkick the coverage too. So oh yes, and Jason Whitlock. I do. I I, like I have that. a I have a greater appreciation now that Whitlock is on Outkick for him. Yeah, I wasn't a huge He's fan a when they had when favorites. they had him on ESPN. I wasn't a fan. Um, but just to be yeah. able to have a platform to just kind of voice our opinion and not like we're, we're not saying anything insulting 90% of right. the time, but just to be able to get an opportunity to talk sports and then, you know, the opportunity, the different types of people it's given us, you know, a chance to talk to, you know, some have been friends that I've been able to reconnect with here, um, that yep. I've had for guests, but, you know, meeting people and, and hearing their opinions on, you know, whether it's local sports or national sports it's been kind of it's been interesting and it's also been something yeah. to do on wednesday nights which is that's for sure yeah well my i mean my wife is i think very happy with it i don't know about yours because now instead of me giving her all of my sporting opinions like on the coronavirus or on the yankees starting mass yeah. or the 49ers or, or you know all the other millions of topics out there that i just like to opine on she doesn't have to hear about it now so she's, she's like, just happy hold on about to this it till, too. Hold on to this till Wednesday when you hang out with Matt. Yeah, like right. So she's she's just like thrilled about that. And I also think that it can be really therapeutic to just kind of get out, talk about stuff. You know, even if it's mostly centered around the world of sports, it's still just good to like, you know, just share your opinions. I, the only thing I would hope is that some people actually care about what I have to say. Yeah, I, I, right. I would agree. I hope that I hope the listeners care. I hope they listen and they, you know, yep. they're not, you know. But just, I wouldn't want it to be breaking down games, you know what I mean? It really I don't think we're qualified for that. High level stuff, yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about stuff. topics that we have an opinion of that. I don't, right. I don't feel as if the representation that you get on ESPN, Fox Sports, and, you know, a lot of the other the channels are even the types of conversations, what we think about sports and our opinion on sports. Right. And to be able to have a platform where we can, you know, voice it and hopefully somebody else gets to listen to it. Like, you know, I was saying that too. Right. I find of, myself doing that a lot. Um, you know, we were talking about the, the documentary social dilemma. Yeah. And I've, you know, Carrie, my wife, Carrie, she was just like, you know, she was getting tired of me saying it because I, I kept saying, nudging her on the shoulder. See, I, I told you, I, I knew that was happening. <laughs> I, I've been telling you this stuff. So, like, with that, or if I'll, like, in the mornings, I'll have Outkick on. And as I'm, like, doing my morning routine, and sometimes Carrie will hear it and she'll hear an opinion. And I'm like, see, I freaking told you that. Like, they're saying it too. Jason Willock agrees. So I finally <laughs> do that all the time now. And so it just further cements the point of, you know, that she was telling uh, telling me like, well, why don't you just do a podcast so you can get you so I can stop hearing about this stuff, you know? Please just stop so, talking yeah. to me and talk to somebody yeah. else. <laughs> talk talk right. to the abyss and hopefully somebody listens. <laughs> yeah, right. So. No, so uh, Chris in Boston, thank you very much. Yeah, it was a good question. I appreciate that. Uh, and actually, you know, Todd, you and I haven't had a chance to talk a lot about, you know, why we do this and whatnot. And hopefully over the next right. few episodes and moving forward, we get a chance to touch on this with whether it's our guests or just you and I. And I think uh, it hopefully will be a good portion of what we get to do moving forward sure. because we get to have a blast and, and do this for 
hour plus once a week? Well, I think it's, it's been a lot of fun and I hope that people bear with us because we are, we're learning and getting better every week. I would agree. I would agree. And you know what? We're having, we're having fun while we're learning. And right. if you realize you're listening to two guys who would just normally be talking about this by themselves and you know, All what? Right. you know, we're enjoying it. And if you, you know, I think our questions have gotten better. I think what we've asked, uh, our guests have gotten better. We've been able to pull out of our guests have been, has been, you know, improving every week. Right. Hopefully the, each guest is having a good experience and telling everybody, you know, that they enjoyed the process with us. Right. All right. Well, uh, All right. on the next segment, we have, uh, we're going to bring in Eric Sorella, uh, Salve Regina baseball coach, North Kingston high school star athlete, uh, from the nineties. And, uh, hope you really like what he has to say about college baseball, about youth baseball and about his, uh, decision to uh, choose uh, coaching over uh, a career in business. Thanks a lot. On this week's episode, we have Eric Sorella, Salve Regina University baseball coach and former North Kingston High School legend. We get to speak about a lot of things baseball, what it takes to make it to college baseball, what high school athletes should be looking for, and uh, a lot of things in between. Take a listen. Let's get uh, let's get uh, to you, Eric. Sure. Well, four years. I've known we've known each other. What? We've been about 14, 15 years old. Wow. So what is that? Twenty close closing on twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. We're showing our age. <laughs> um, you were uh, four years at North Kingston, right? Yep. Uh, I'm reading off the bio. Second team All-State Baseball. Mm-hmm. You were All-State Volleyball. You were All-Conference in Baseball, Basketball, and Volleyball. Uh, let's see. You were College All-American twice. New England. All, is it considered All-New England or All-New uh, England All-American? All-New England, I guess, yeah. All-New England yeah. twice. And you were an Academic All-American three times. It's not all. So just for everybody listening – you crushed it on all the fields and in the classroom. Sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your journey. What, uh, when you were growing up, what, what'd you want to do? Was it always baseball? Was baseball the number one and just the, you kind of wrote it out because you were, you were great at all, at all three. I don't, I mean, to be honest with you, I always loved hoops the most, like hoops, especially growing up and, and, um, you know, Jamestown obviously is not known for any sports. Uh, maybe just some summer vacations in Jamestown and Newport. But, yeah. um, you know, I did have some good classmates. Some of them went off to Hendrickson. Some of them to North Kingstown. And um, North Kingstown is definitely one of the, you know, premier, at least public school uh, athletic programs for, for across the board. Um, but I was I always loved hoops. And I think... Um, you know, my dad always tells a story about going to, I think I went to like five-star basketball camp one year when I was 14, I was like, you know, freshman, sophomore year going into my sophomore year and just coming back from that and being like, I don't think basketball is the route because there were just so many, there's just so many kids who were more athletically gifted and um you know when when you're at at that point i'm five six 100 and 
20 pounds and I could dribble the ball and I could shoot the ball a little bit, but you know, kids who were six, two, who could, who were guards and, and could dribble the ball way better than me and could, you know, dunk. And it just was eye opening. And I think at that point it was like, Hey, this is fun. Um, I love high school hoops. I will, some of my fondest memories of sports are, you know, games at the old North Kingstown gym where it's, it feels like there's a heater on it's 92 degrees. Um, there's bubbles in the court, but you know, it yeah, just it's wall to wall. It's like, you feel it's like, it's like you're playing in the garden and there's only 300 people in the gym. Right. Right. Yeah. And people are standing and it's just yeah. a great, I mean, it's a great environment. Um, just like some of the, uh, you know, like I can remember playing a classical or the old LaSalle gym and you just, yeah. it's like, Oh my God, this is awesome. And there's, probably only two or 300 people in there, but it feels like there's 10,000. Um, but you know, it just, that was eye opening to me. And I think at that point, um, you know, it just, it was baseball cause volleyball was a filler. Um, yep. you know, it was always, it was football. And then it's like, man, I got 220 pound guys falling on me and I weigh a hundred pounds. This is not that fun. Um, How did you get into volleyball? Not the, not the, it just, it's, that was just a thing in North Kingstown where like they ran off a bunch of state titles and, um, you know, Joanne Fitz was a coach and I, um, ended up being friends with like Kevin Harrington and Neil Forbes yeah. and, um, Jeff Vanderveer, who's a basketball player. And, yeah. um, I, I had did played Mark, it. Did Mark Mazza play uh, volleyball? Mark, yeah, Mark played it. Mark and I were all stayed. Um, and, you know, just a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Like if you, if you ever watch, uh, a volleyball game at like a high level where, um, you know, the the guys can jump and guys are athletic and it's quick pace. So it's, so it had a little basketball feel to it where it yeah. wasn't as slow and drawn out as a baseball game. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that was just enjoyable. And I, after my freshman year, I, you know, I honestly, I can remember Joe Cantone making trying to make a tackle on him on like a broken play and him, me thinking he's going to go one way or the other. And he, instead he just put his helmet into my chest from like the three yard line and ended up on, you know, on the backside of the end zone. And a coach was like, you got to go up and hit him. And I said to myself, this, you know, this is fun. I remember but... Joe Cantone as a freshman, too. He was just a monster. Right. I mean, he he he, he was shaving when he was 13 years old. And, I, you know, I don't think I shaved until I was about 17. So <laughs> it just it, – it wasn't fair. And it it wasn't that fun after a while when, you know, you're just getting beat up. Yeah. Um, so that's how the whole volleyball came – volleyball thing came. And, you know, I just – it's not – to me, it's not fun if you're not doing something. And I always just wanted to be playing something and doing something. And, um, you know, it, it, I became pretty good at it. And there was, you know, even some tournaments that I went to with some AU programs where there was some college interest, but again, it wasn't, um, you see Rocco play volleyball and, you know, it just, it's a different element. And, uh, that just, you know, but it was, it's fun and it's fun to still play. And it's something, it's kind of like golf in the sense that I can go out and play it right now if I wanted to. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's go back to baseball. So little league, did you play? Would Jamestown have little league at that time? Were Jamestown did. Yep. Yeah. Played Jamestown. You um, played Jamestown. You were all star in Jamestown, I assume. Yeah. Yep. Right to right to high school. And uh, how was your high school experience right out the gate for you? Um, like we talked before the show, 
we're going to tell the audience what it's like to, you know, what it takes to get to that level. Sure. Sure. Somebody who ended up being all state, who ended up going to play in college and now a college coach. What was it like for your experience coming in as a freshman? You know, a lot different than what it's like today because, um, you know, back in 1996, uh, no one had cell phones that, that didn't exist. Um, there was no Twitter. There was no, no, you know, it was just the, the recruiting was a lot different and you couldn't, um, I mean, look, I spent all summer watching high school kids play baseball. I mean, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. Um, there was none of that. It was Legion and, and you played high school and, um, you know, when you look at like division three baseball in new England, there's 68, give or take 68 schools who yeah. compete in division three baseball in new England. Uh, back in 1996, there's probably between five and 10 full-time head coaches. And now yeah. you have probably have um, 55 to 60 full-time head coaches and 20 to 25 programs that have full-time assistant coaches, you know, and, and some of these, even if they're not full-time, there's some programs where guys are getting 20,000 plus to be an assistant coach and that's their full-time job. And they're, so, you know, the recruiting is just a lot different. Um, whereas it was one guy and 25 kids on a team. And now most teams have rosters that are between 35 and 45. And there's two guys there all the time recruiting. Um, I think that's the biggest difference. And you just, you, I can remember maybe two colleges playing, playing in front of two different colleges over the course of four years um, at a high school game. And uh, Eric Podbelski, Wheaton college who, um, you know, has been to three world series um, and uh, someone from Eastern Connecticut who, you know, Holloway um, was there and uh, he just, he, gave up that job at Eastern Connecticut, you know, yeah. within the last few years, but he, he's won uh, three national championships or something like that. And been to the world series five or six times and won, I don't know, 1300 games. Yeah. Like, I mean, something just silly. Um, and, and, you know, those, there were six schools. I mean, it was them, it was Wheaton, it was Keene state, it was Southern Maine, it was Trinity. And maybe you mix right. in two or three other schools. And, and, and Jake Granny was still at Ruthie. Right? Yeah, right. right. I mean, he was there, but they, I mean, they weren't competing with They're Wheaton. I mean, they were, they were solid in the little East, but I mean, Southern Maine, Keene state, those were the, uh, in Eastern Connecticut, those are the premier teams in that, you know, in that conference. So the landscapes just changed a lot and kids, um, you know, if kids should know if they're being recruited or not, where back then, Hey, maybe you picked a school and you tried out for a sport and you ended up playing there. Um, or you emailed the coach and said, Hey, this is my Legion schedule. I I'm really interested in your school. Come take a look at me. And, uh, you know, that was kind of it. There were, there were minimal all-star games. You got a, uh, all-star game in, you know, Rhode Island is the only, state that has an all-star game in the middle of their high school baseball season. So literally when colleges are in full swing, there's an all-star game. And then it's on a, a Saturday or a Sunday, local, local scout to watch the game, no head coaches are coming to those games. Right? Really? There, there's not there. A lot of times there's five or six schools there. Um, even now, just because of uh, how much is going on. And uh, at least Connecticut, and Massachusetts have theirs in June where the baseball season is pretty much wrapped up unless you're, you know, a division one in a, in a regional or super regional. Um, so, you know, those kids get a little bit more 
you know, publicity uh, or, or recruitability, I guess. Um, yeah. So that, you know, I think those are the biggest differences. It's just the sheer amount of um, exposure you get now as, as opposed to maybe, you know, 20 years ago. So 20, yeah. Let's, 20 years ago. let's call it 20. Let's call it yeah, 20 yeah. instead of 24. Um, so we'll, we'll 20, you know, 2000, right? Is the year you graduate, you graduate mm-hmm. in 2000. What are the, uh, what are your choices? What were you, when did you know where you were going to, going to go play? Honestly, um, I didn't know until the next year because, uh, I had, I, um, I didn't really know what I want to do. I mean, it just kind of snuck up on you so quickly and there was no one, there were these summer teams with coaches who are like lining you up for tryouts and calling mm-hmm. like that just didn't exist. So basically I was just looking at taking a gap year and figuring things out and taking some classes. Um, like, you know, kids nowadays do a PG year. Um, that's yeah. essentially what it was. But instead of a PG year, I just went to URI and took some classes to figure it out. And I ended up playing in the fall there. Um, got hurt, had to have surgery. And, you know, at that point, I just wanted to play. So, um, you know, it was Trinity. It was Suffolk. And, um, you know, I but I just – I knew, obviously, with my dad being at Salve, that that was uh, – an option for me to just go in and play right away. Um, yeah. Even though it, it sounds a little bit more complicated and it was a little bit more complicated because it, you know, even though I was better, um, he didn't just anoint me, Hey, you're going to be our second baseman. Or you're going to be a shortstop. It was kind of like, Hey, you're better than this kid, but you really, you have to be head and shoulders better for me to start you every day. Oh, and of course, um, of course. There, so it's more sure like a, no play- nepotism, of course. Right. Um, and it, it actually until the point where like, uh, probably four or five of the older guys went up to my dad and was like, Hey, you like, you got to start him every day. You know, this is yeah. like, we need him to, to win. And, um, you know, it was, I didn't have an issue with it either way. I was happy just playing and, and, uh, being out of school like Salve, which, you know, was just a little bit more, I think up my alley because I don't. Yeah. I don't like being in a class with 500 people. I don't like, you know, taking a test and you're just putting a uh, student ID number. Like it just, yeah. you know, I, I, you meet people and you got to have a voice and you got to have an opinion. And um, so I always felt like a school, you know, with 2000 to 4,000 kids is more of a, uh, you know, more of what I wanted. Nice. All right. We're going to bring this back. Cause I want to talk about your dad for a little sure. bit. We're going to talk about your college career. Um, then your transition into coaching. Um, we're going to take a break. Guys, check out the Tom Bronkowski Show every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on all SFBNRI platforms. Check out all of our content on www.sfbnri.com. Guys, welcome back to Episode 7 of the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. Um, we have Eric Sorella, the head baseball coach here at Salve Regina University. Um, welcome back to segment two. Um, so let's talk about playing for your dad. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, uh, up front to everybody listening, I'm a huge fan of your dad. I think your dad's like one of the coolest, nicest guys. Um, but I also feel as if knowing what it was like just to play for my father when I played for him in AU and even recreation before I transitioned to playing for other coaches, you get treated significantly worse than everybody else. And everything that you do uh, is highlighted, you know, and even things that somebody else might do, might be <laughs> do incorrectly, might end up being your fault. Um, 
And I feel as if in today's generation, the kids that play, you get a lot of dads who don't treat their kids that way anymore. It's, you know, I'm going to prop my kid up and make sure he doesn't fail as opposed to, I, you know, again, 20 years ago, our, our generation, where it's more or less, you know, you're going to have to earn everything that you get instead of, uh, instead of it just being handed to you. And they, oh, it's okay, daddy will take care of it. Sure. So, uh, what was that experience like at the collegiate level? I mean, again, initially it was it was difficult just because you had to go above and beyond and, and you know, not um, I mean, I can remember like not starting right away in Florida and I'm sitting there like, what like, what am I doing? You know, you, you just start to think about like, hey, I could go to Miami or Arizona State and just, you know, it's. 85 every day i could watch football games and baseball games and you know there's Have a good time cool... to be a great student exactly watch. just enjoy it and um so if i would be lying if i if i said that thought didn't cross my mind um but then uh you know you get the chance to play and um i think luck luck luckily for me right out of the gates uh i did really well and um, you know, I think I left Florida hitting like 400 and ended up hitting like a walk-off home run in our last game down there. And, you know, it was pretty evident that I had to be on the field every day. Uh, you just, you know, had to get a little bit creative with getting some guys in just like any other coach, you know, you don't want, you don't want the guys on the bench to just get stale and you're trying to find a role for everybody. And, you know, essentially make people buy into what, um, that role is, how big or how small, you know, is, is really up to them. But, um, so looking back initially, it was, it was a tough transition. And then, uh, you know, after about three weeks or so, it was fine. And, um, you know, we ended up winning a conference championship and winning the conference a couple of times and, um, you know, playing with some awesome kids and it, it was a great, great experience. And, you know, people have asked me this before and you, you just end up saying how many, how many parents got to see their kid play every single college game that they played in. And, you know, there's not many. So I, I consider myself lucky and um, you just, you kind of have to separate your, you know, your dad, the coach and your dad, the father a little bit um, because, you know, kids are not going to always be happy with the coach and that's, you know, that's fine. It doesn't, it's not a knock on, you know, your dad. And, um, but the majority of kids that I played with or, or kids that played after me or kids that I know feel the same way, you know, that you do. I mean, my dad is just like a really big hearted, genuine human being. And he, you know, he really does care about everybody. And, um, so I, I almost felt like I took the burden of losses, uh, harder than he did sometimes. And, um, you know, but it just, it kind of fuels your fire and helps you, um, work harder and, and do better things in the weight room and, uh, achieve more. And then, you know, it just, it got better and better and better. And by the time I was a junior, I was first team all New England and all American. And, um, you know, I led the country in hitting as a senior and I was, I hit higher as a junior. I just happened to, you know, some kid in New Jersey at like 526 and I had 514. So, um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun and, and a lot of my good friends still to this day, you know, played in the program and, you know, it, it taught me a lot. And I think upon graduating and then waiting to like play independent ball, uh, getting a chance to coach the next year after I graduated, um, 
that team had, you know, at the, at the, at the time won 32 games, which was a school record. And, mm-hmm. you know, so when I started to, when I left pro ball and I went into the business world and then I was, I hated it. You know, I hated working a nine to five. Mm-hmm. I hated the, the thought of call, cold calling and, you know, sales and insurance and annuities. And, yeah. and it just was like, Hey, I really had a big impact on that team. And, you know, kids would even say like, Hey, your senior year, when you won the conference championship, like you would always say like, Hey, we should do this and this. And, you know, your dad would, you know, agree with you because you, yeah. you usually brought up good points. And it just, it made me realize like, Hey, I, I don't, you know, I have friends that make a ton of money and there's times I'm jealous because they have a boat or they live in, you know, a really nice place and a big house and they have all these fun things, but I never wake up in the morning and I'm like, Oh, I got to go to work. Like I, I, you, I work every single day, you know, weekends we practice or I have recruits or, but it's just like my life. And, um, I think that's what, that's what I got from all this, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the winning, the losing, um, and then getting thrown into it as a coach, I learned that I thought I was pretty good at it and um, I understood a lot of things. And, you know, so after that and I got into coaching, my dad was like, listen, you've been here for a year. Um, I can't teach you anymore. Now you got to kind of go off on your own. And that's when I went over to URI and Jimmy Foster was there. Who's a, you know, a a great guy, Rhode Island guy. And, um, you know, dad's a phenomenal guy too. uh, Awesome. Awesome guy. Another one. He has a he has a crew of henchmen that would come to all the games and all those guys, uh, you know, awesome people, awesome family. Um, taught, I mean, you're not going to meet a guy who understands baseball more than him. You know, he's in. Look, you people think they have it tough. You know, coaching for Jimmy that I mean, that was the hardest thing I ever did in my entire life. You know, he like one you say one thing wrong and he's down your throat because it, I mean, it's just, it's like coaching for Belichick or Saban and um, people would say, well, you know, it's URI and, but that stuff's good for you, you know, and and it just helped me to get to where I am today uh, to learn from a guy like that. And um, you know, I, I think to this day, I'm still his longest tenured assistant um, being at URI for, for six years with him. You know, because he left for BC and, and they ended up going to a super regional and now he's head coach at Army. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just he's he's very demanding. And uh, but that's, you know, like you see Lane Kiffin saying yeah. things about Nick Saban and that's just not, you know, I, I wouldn't do that on Twitter. I wouldn't do that yeah. on a podcast. I would do that with people that know me and know Jimmy. But know him uh, but I would do that friends. with Jimmy, yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I would I would I would bust his balls about stuff. Um but it was, you know, that's that's how you get better. I mean, you you got to work for the best. I want to backtrack, like a sure, step, real quick. Sure. So, senior year, mm-hmm. lead the lead the country in hitting. Mm-hmm. At that point, you you played independent. You were going to go play independent baseball. Did you sign with an agent? Was it kind of like, hey, I, you know, it was ba- was it was it a toss up between baseball and business, or was it like I'm going to give baseball a shot, see if I can really hack it, and then if not. Let's go make some money. So it was, um, so I had an advisor and yep. it was somebody I knew who worked for a bigger 
organization that was kind of, you know, on the up and up. They had a few young players that were emerging into Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, essentially, I thought I had a chance of getting drafted. And uh, there was a big write-up in, like, the Boston Herald when I played in the All-Star game at Fenway Park. Um, and it didn't happen. You know, you sit there and you watch it the last 10 rounds, and yeah. it's like the last four rounds are uh, – you know, the Kansas City Royals takes George Brett's nephew. And, yeah. You know, they're just like kind of favors. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then um, I ended up signing that fall with the team in the Midwest in the Frontier League, which I, I love. You know, I love the Midwest. Like, it's just yeah. a great area for sports. And I've co- I coached a summer out there in Green Bay um, and ended up going to Rockford, Illinois. And, um, we just caught some really tough weather Mm -hmm. where we were supposed to have like a three week spring training. And I, I, long story short, I ended up hurting my knee, you know, sliding for a ball. I was, I was kind of on the shelf for a month and where they were at, they just couldn't, they, they did me a favor basically by releasing me. And, um, so I came back to the Can-Am league in New Haven and look, you know, no disrespect to New Haven, but it's, it wasn't, um, you know, it's not a when you're when you go to college in Newport and you grew up in Jamestown, like New Haven is really just no, it's not, it's not, it's not. It's not. not. So not it was kind of like comfortable with it's not the type of environment that you picture yourself after college. And it's like, right. you want to suffer through that. They, they put me in a house with like eight guys who had lived there for months and like their mattresses are on the floor and like there's two baths. Like, I, I'm all like, I look, look, I lived in messy houses in college, but yeah when I walked in the house it was clean and we created the mess. When you walk into someone else's mess and you're living there, it's just really not a great feeling. You just, you're skeeved out 24 yeah. seven and you're looking around and saying, okay, like I'm playing here, but the guy next to me is, was a center fielder at Florida state. And, you know, he's been signed to four different teams and kicked around independent ball. Like, I'm making 550 bucks a month and I got to pay 200 bucks a month to live there. And you're trying to figure out like, what can I eat right now? Or what can I, what can I buy to survive a month with $300 in my pocket? So it was just more of a, Hey, I did it. I I could play at this level. It's not a big deal. Now let's go make some money. And so it was after independent ball that I, um, I started working and, um, you know, did a few things in, in the business world and, you know, essentially just came back to baseball. I hate, yeah. I just, I just yeah. didn't, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like waking up at six in the morning and, and, um, driving through rush hour traffic and, and playing that game. You know, I mean, yeah. some people can do it and live for the weekends. And I, I just, I needed like a passion and, uh, that's, you know, that's essentially when, uh, so the, the best thing that ever happened was the company I was working for went out of business and, um, I got laid off and I got to collect unemployment for like three months. Yeah. I studied for, uh, my GMAT or yeah. GMAT, right. Yeah. Is that yeah, post? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I ended up killing it on my GMATs and I went to URI, got accepted to URI, uh, com, uh, you know, communication department, yeah. uh, master's program. And I did so well because all those kids are like super good at English. 
And I'm, I, you know, I'm a math guy. Um, and I scored so I scored like 720 on my math, which, yeah. you know, whatever. I answered a few questions, got them, I closed my eyes, got them right. That they asked me to teach some classes. So now I was coaching, teaching, and getting my master's at the same time. Um, so money, it's just kind of an education. You're having a good time, and you're right. All kind of fell into place. Living in Narragansett, and um, you know, living on my own, and that's kind of where it where it started and um Lived you know a good life you went from newport to narragansett right right so speed bump in new haven in the middle but overall some great exactly with a drive to and from the midwest you know yeah. um by yourself with yeah. no serious radio or uh you know, i don't even know if i had a cell phone at that point i think i did but yeah um so <clears throat> you have this phenomenal coaching experience at uri Right, gets you gets you absolutely ready. Um, how'd you get back to Salvin? Um, I think by the by like year six, um just a lot of stuff had transpired uh within you know coaching and, and you get to a point where and I'm sure you know you could even attest to this, like um you do you work under somebody for so long that you feel like Hey, I want to take like 70% of this or whatever, 50% of this and just apply it. But then I want to put my own spin on it. And, um, having a family business and feel the same way. I've learned an immense amount of information from my father, but at some point it's ready. You know, I I want to make it mine. Sure. And I want to do it my way. Not that your way is wrong, but I, there, there are gaps that you can't see because you're so close to it and I can, you know, improve. I, I, I get that. Exactly. And that's just how I felt is like, okay, I've been, I've been working under you and I learned a lot and this is great, but now I want to, I want to run my own show. And, um, you don't really learn, you don't like the feeling you have as a, as when you're running your own show, whether it's in business or, you know, in sports is just completely different. Um, the, the, the rush you get and the um, anxiety and the sleepless nights and the, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And that's, you need, you need to feel uncomfortable really to grow. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, everybody loves their comfort zone, but you don't grow in your comfort zone. So I, I really, I wanted to get out of that and, you know, try to build something and, and do something that hadn't been done before. And um, so when I, talked to my dad that spring, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about leaving here and I'm looking at some different things. And he said, well, he said, why don't he's, you know, why don't we talk? And, um, more or less, he said, listen, next year is going to be my last year. Come back, work for me. Um, and after that, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, retire. And, I still will help you out for a few years and, and make sure you get on your feet. And, um, but you know, you come here and you do everything. Like I'm going to let you do everything. You do the recruiting, you coach third base. You, I'm just going to be the head coach. And, um, so essentially I was doing everything. I'm yelling at the umpires. I'm bringing recruits on campus. I'm running practices. Um, he was just the figurehead and, uh, I control Exactly. And you know, that was, uh, that was fun too. I mean, I tell kids stories because look, the pictures I sent you and some of the videos and like the nice 
field and symmetry yeah. and like everything that was in there. I mean, we had a bucket of balls, we had a few screens. There was, I'm looking at the infield. I'm like, does anybody like, why is there weeds growing out of the dirt? Um, what do you, like, what is this? What's going on here? Why don't you have a college baseball field? Right. And I, and I'm trying to recruit kids. I mean, I swear to God, for my first three years, I would take kids from my office and we just go on the cliff walk and we go back and forth. I'm, you know, like, yeah, this is the campus here. And don't, you know, the baseball field, don't worry about that. Um, you know, it's a baseball field. We've all seen one of those. Um, but it was just really one of the old, old ADs at Salve just kind of set the program back in yeah. lack of a better way to put it. Um, just didn't where other programs are making investments into athletics. Um, you know, he didn't and he didn't understand that. And um, that's what you get. And luckily, um, after being there and, and getting the right people around you and, and, you know, fundraising and, you know, some of the parents and booster club stuff. And we were able to raise a bunch of money and, you know, build a new infield and dugouts and uh, backstop and fencing and new cages and new bullpens and turf halo. And, you know, so it really, it has come a long way. And I, you know, I get frustrated. And, kids. and all the pictures in the videos, it's big time. It yeah, looks like it a big looks great. program. It's beautiful. It looks, it's a great setting. It looks like a place where you want now you now when you bring a kid on campus, I'm sure it's we're going right to the baseball field. It's right much, much easier. I show them pictures. I tell you know, but look, we all the kids that um, you know, we want to. So I was head coach 14, 15, 2016, win a conference championship, um, 17, win a conference championship, win the regular season outright. And we're ranked as high as 13th in the country and not like hey, you're 13th and there's 150 teams in the country, like 13th and there's 385 teams in the country. Like there's a lot of college baseball teams in the country. You know, it's it's very, very difficult to be yeah. nationally ranked in that sport yeah. because of how many teams there are. Um, but all those kids who played on that team, they were recruited to that old field, you know? So like it was kind of like them sitting across from me and, and listening to me say, I am going to make this happen. You just have to trust me. Like everything else here is beautiful. I'm going to make this work. And you, you like, you have my word, uh, but I understand if, you know, if you don't believe me and yeah. um, those are the kids who I really, you know, admire. And, and to this day, I'm, I still have great relationships with because they took a leap of faith and they helped, uh, you know, you are now. exactly, you know, whatever, like I'm sure we, URI and, and what, you know, the Catino Mobley's and the guys who are playing in yeah. uh, Keeney before the Ryan center and stuff like that's, that's just how it felt. It's it. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a lot of work, but at your worst days, you can look back and be like, remember what this was like and then where it is now. And that's to me, that's very, very enjoyable. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think, uh, being able to grow your own program and to see like what it's come to and where you can even project to go moving forward. That's gotta be really rewarding and worth every sacrifice that you made, you know, financially by deciding to go all in uh, with baseball. Sure. And it's that, it's that it's frank. Like you just, you work every day and you, you miss bachelor parties or you miss mm -hmm. vacations or you miss um, there's just, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've just, grabbed a close friend from over the years and just been like, listen, man, I'm really sorry that I couldn't do this, but like, 
Um, it's just you can't take a day off. You you just yeah. feel like. Uh, but now you're. I'm at the point where I can play around a golf or take a day out. You know, even though it it bothers me. Um, yeah. But you're on call. I mean, you're on call like a doctor, and you get paid like a teacher. That's just what you yeah. sign up for. Um. So in the past, what probably three four months, I've texted you about three or four times asking sure. about asking about kids. You know, we have those who don't watch. You know, I don't know what sports. I have a lot of friends and family that come on in. Say, oh, my kid, you know, interest in playing at Salve, you think he can play. So um, leave all the kids nameless, but I'll, I'll text you and you'll give me, you know, honest advice. Um, and now Salve, like we said earlier in the show, not viewed as being, you know, a, a prestigious premier program. And you have kids who in Rhode Island seem great. Sure. You know, but you, let's give the, the listeners and the people and the parents and the kids, especially a little bit of, of a little dose of reality. What what does it take? What type of kid? You know, obviously, depending on position, is it really going to take to go to Salve? And it's not you know not that they can't play and they're not good at baseball, like we discussed earlier. Right. What does it take to get to play at that level? You know, we're the honest truth is there's not many kids that uh, at least from the state. You know, we're we're pretty good. Where Andrew McKeon, who's a Rhode Island College. Uh, graduate he's my assistant he's my pitching coach he you know he's him and i are on the same page and we know 95 percent of the kids in this state and then we have to cover seven or eight other states and the, the the truth is like sometimes you're like we're looking for fringe division one guys we're looking for a guy we're waiting for kids who like uri passes on or Northeastern passes on or um, Sacred Heart passes on or somebody misses on or that three sport kid that plays Legion that nobody knows about. Like we got a kid who's a freshman and he's injured right now and he runs a six, eight. He's a lefty bat. He's six, one He can hit the ball 400 feet, but he throws 89 miles an hour off the, off the mound that no division one school knows about because he played Ashland Legion a year ago. Yeah. And you know, who, who recruits Legion? These guys are all on these big circuits. So like, it's not that a kid isn't good. It's just that the kid who could play at Salve or Rick or Johnson and Wales or Roger Williams 20 years ago, that kid, those kids can't necessarily play there anymore. You know, the best players can, but yep. the, the kid who didn't play for two years and then he was like, you know, a platoon. And then he started as a senior like that, that guy doesn't exist anymore. It really is really difficult. And, you know, um, I saw a stat the other night, the Rays and the Yankees and there, the average fastball in that game was 95 miles an hour. So, uh, you know, the game of baseball is just, it's getting crazy. The things that are going on in this game for the last five to seven years uh, are nuts, but we had, so we started up two weeks ago we had two red shirt freshmen, I mean, red shirt because they lost their year to COVID last year. Yeah. A lefty who came in, he was 80, 80, 82, 83, um, you know, touch 85. Now he's 87, 89. Uh, same righty who's 82, 85 is now 87, 90. These are, these are red shirt freshmen. And then we had a freshman from Nauset who's a lefty touch 90. Like, and people are like, well, so this kid, you know, he throws 78. And it's like, yeah, you know, and I'm sure he's going to throw a little bit harder, but I'm not just looking at, 
you know, what he has, it's where he's going to be and what we have. And, you know, that's, I know it's really hard to explain, but I just know it when I see it. And it's not an exact science, trust me, because you miss on guys. You say, ah, you know, I'm going to go a different route. And that kid ends up being a really good player. And you just, you tip your cap. But um, that's baseball. Like, scouts, look, 60% of first-round major league picks make it to the big leagues. 60%. So what is it in, in NFL? I mean, all those guys play in the NFL, right? Every first round yeah. pick, play, oh, unless no, they, they like, play. yeah. But in, you know, the average career is what three point eight years or four point eight years to under under four under sure. five years. Sure, but these are the top. These are like the experts of the experts, yeah. and sixty to sixty four percent play in the major leagues. So, like, this is not an exact science. You're you're trying to balance a lot of different things, and you're seeing a kid as a junior and trying to figure out. Where's he going to be in two years? Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, what I tell kids is I am not always right. It is not personal. And you're more than welcome to come here and prove me wrong because kids walk on and make the team all the time. Yeah. But um, all I have to do is is stick with my system and, and really be as honest as possible. And I think at the end of the day, you might disagree with me, but at least you'll respect me. And that's, um, you know, I've been wrong and I've had parents be like, you know what, coach, we really respected the fact that you were honest with our son and he went here and, you know, we know that you want him now, but um, we really just, we respected you. And that's all you have at the end of the day. That's awesome. Well, you know what? I think that's a, that's a good perspective for your program. If you could give a, a bit of advice to the parents now and the kids who are listening and who will listen, whether it's on Apple podcasts or Spotify, I think it was right there. Um, what would you tell them to do to, to prepare for their opportunity to uh, to play college baseball? You want them to, you know, whether make sure they have good grades, make sure they're, you know, well-rounded as an athlete, or are you looking sure. for a person who only plays baseball? You know, what, what would, you know, just a little piece of advice. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look. That the, that the three-sport or two-sport athlete should still exist. I think, you know, being a single-sport athlete, listen, I played basketball. That was really all I was really good at. But I, I, did, I did track, I did cross-country, I did tennis. You just got to play. You got to, you know, you're well-rounded. So what, what advice do you give, you want to give these kids? I think I tell kids, I mean, they ask me all the time, coach, you know, I'm coming. Do you want, what do you want me to do? I, I play football. I say, listen, you got one senior year of high school ever play everything that you can, you know, because once you get here, you're going to be a baseball player. I am all for three sports, two sports, play everything you can do everything you can. Um, you're only young once, but I like, Look, we grew up in a generation where, like, if you beat me in something, I'm like, I'm gonna play you the next day. You just kick my butt after school in tennis. Like, I don't care what it is. I wanna, I wanna play you, and I'm gonna beat you, and I'm gonna figure out a way. Like, that's just, that's just how I was raised. Um, so, you know, I would tell kids to just to compete, to never, to never stop competing, and never stop working because um, there's just so many kids out there, and you never know baseball. Baseball is so much different than basketball. Like if we're, we have kids that sign and they play professionally. Um, we had yeah. scouts, we had five games last year with scouts at four of them, you know, like there, there's a kid who started for the Rays. He's a division three pitcher. He pitched uh, on the field next to us five years ago in, in yeah. Florida. It doesn't matter in baseball. Kids develop at different times. You have to go somewhere where you can play. And if you like a school, then go prove a coach wrong. Because 
you know, if, if, if you're better than what I have and you can help me win games, I would be an absolute idiot not to keep you on the team and play you. Um, but you know, everybody is told at some point that they can't play sports anymore or they can't, you know, play it for, uh, at, at the college level or the professional level, like your career ends and you need something to fall back on. So I would say education first, go somewhere that you would want to be, even if you're, you know, your arms fell off or, um, you know, the sport was taken away. And that's, I think the best advice, but go somewhere you're wanted. Don't, don't go, um, don't look for the bumper sticker school. You know, don't just because it looks good on Twitter and you're going to get 400 people to like it. Um, and I, and I always tell kids, listen, I started this program begging kids to come up to campus and just visit a school they never heard of and come to a place they've never been to before. You know, and I said, if you don't like it, I'll never call you. I'll never text you again. But if you come up here, I promise you, you know, you're going to be blown away. And some of these kids sat down and that very day said, coach, I love it. You know, where do, where do we go from here? Um, you never know what you're going to who you're going to meet or, or what you're going to experience. So visit anywhere, you know, a school that you're like, eh, I don't know where that is. Where go, just go because that coach, that coach might fall in love with you. And, and that might open up a bunch of opportunities. And you know, in this world, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, exactly. 110%. Well, I think that's a good, a good piece of advice for all everybody. Listen, um, I'm going to take a quick break guys. Check out uh, the roadie takeout report, the roadie sports report. Play Like a Girl, Political Goat, Coach State Athlete Podcast with uh, Matt and Todd, Tom Gronkowski Show, Title Town Throwdown, The Evil Empire Takeover, MMA Complete, and That's the Game. Check them all out on www.sfbnri.com. You've seen it, you've heard about it. Juicing is all the rage these days. And getting freshly made juice is a great way to add healthy, vital nutrition to your daily routine. But how can you do it without going out, buying a juicer and making a mess of your kitchen, or going to the market and getting drinks filled with preservatives and all the extras you don't need? Well, luckily, if you're local to Rhode Island, it's as simple as contacting your local Juice Girl. That's right, the Juice Girl. The Juice Girl RI is a local fresh juice delivery service that delivers right to your home or office. You order during the week and they will bring your juice on Mondays so that you can start your healthy week off in a positive direction. To find out more, go to thejuicegirlri.com or email lisa at thejuicegirlri.com. Guys, welcome back to the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. We have uh, Eric Sorella, Salve Regina baseball coach, uh, as our guest. Welcome back, Eric. Um, Usually this is where we're doing our fantasy draft, and we have uh, we have Todd um, come on in. So there's three of us typically. Um, Todd obviously had a go, so we bring in a special guest if that's cool with you. To uh, I'm gonna chat him up a little bit. That's great. And uh, do the draft. Bring on in Mark Mazza. <laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, what's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? How we what doing? Are you doing? Yeah, you're off. Uh, you're not on babysitting duty tonight. I'm uh, temporarily off. One's asleep. One's asleep. But I got some time. I got some time. Yeah. Mazza, thanks for uh, watching the show and listening. And uh, absolutely, thanks for having. Thanks for coming on. Of yeah. course, oh, I'm excited. Uh, I, we all haven't seen each other probably in person. God knows how many. At least, at least I haven't seen you guys. I don't know. Yeah. The last time you saw each other. This summer, uh, we yeah, yeah we did say, Yeah, probably like a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, maybe yeah. Oh, it's probably. 
weeks weeks go by quickly these days with right, covid yeah. so it's probably been months yep. at this point but uh yeah catch up uh pretty regularly but uh yeah maddie i don't know when the last time uh, i saw you was in person but uh good to see you i know it's been a long it's been a good to see you too yeah um so uh you got to play uh volleyball and basketball with eric i did yeah what uh what was that experience like uh it was great i mean to be honest with you and i don't want to uh, pump his tires but uh i mean i think you know the best part about having him as uh you know co-captain and uh, and teammate is you know i like to play and and you know i like to think that i did pretty well when i was uh you know in high school in rhode island but uh yeah eric was more of the uh the driven we need to win uh guy and could kind of rally the team that way mine was more of a uh I could kind of try to be more of the, the the silent leadership. I wasn't in people's faces. Uh, I was just trying to trying to produce. But having that guy, I mean, he was the setter. He was the point guard to to, to my center and my you know my middle hitter. Um, you know, having that guy that you could just count on and and you know he's selling he's selling offensive fouls and and getting the the, the big plays when you need them. You know, he just wants to win, and that's uh, that was great. Yeah, to be able to play with someone like that, you know, my whole career, which was great. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's good that uh, you guys were able to do that in multiple sports. You know, yeah. I, I will say, too, um, I caught Mark's freshman year of college because Mark went on and, and, you know, played at WPI uh, mm -hmm. for, for hoops. And they went to Salve and um, Salve hoops at that point was pretty good. And, and the coach who recruited Mark, um, they were they were building, you know, they were. Mark's class was like that, that really first big class uh, of talent. And um, I, I, I wanted to jump on the court and play because I felt like, like that was the one college basketball game I saw. And I'm like, man, I could come out here right now and I could run with these guys. I really feel that way. We could, we could have um, used you that year, buddy. I, I'm not lying. That was uh, like, you know, listen to hear you talk and say, Hey, you know, you had those guys uh, that were with you from when the, when the, uh, the field was rough and, and, and to turn it around to a conference uh, championship, you know, my first year we went, Oh, and 20. Uh, it was a tough, it was a tough year, but as a freshman, you know, you get to play, you get to start, you get to, you get to really get some experience in there, but you, you know, you ride it out in my senior year, you know, we were conference champions. So, uh, you know, I can feel for, for those guys that stuck it out with you and it wasn't uh, the easiest road, but uh you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. Right. We were never 0-20, I, I will say that. Yeah, well, you know, but, not, my but proudest, I, but, not my proudest year, but it's a stat sure. that's interesting, you know. That it, the, it really is. You know, I, I it's mean, a conversation year, starter. You guys, were, sure. you guys are awesome. Like, watching yeah. watching you four years later and watching you, your, your games, um, it was just like, wow, this is like a completely different team. So, you know, that's coaching in a nutshell. And coaches come yep. and go and um, – you know, in all sports and sometimes they, they stay for a while and sometimes they stay there forever. You know, it's, it's the nature of the beast, but yeah. uh, it was really, you know, I, that really sticks out to me because I remember that was that one time that I was just like, man, I really want to play hoops right now. I could just, I feel like yeah. I could make a difference in the game. Like I said, we, we seriously could have used you that. Yeah. That hmm. was a tough squad. All right. Tough squad. But no, I, uh, you know, I, I've been talking. I, I got a chance to talk to Harry Grigsby, which both of you guys remember from St. Ray's, and you played yeah. AU basketball with us. I got, I got a chance to see Eddie Gray came by my shop recently. Oh, wow. Um, remember Eddie? Yeah, I, I do. I've seen him forever. Um, and, you know, I 
recently been able to look back at the at those years in the in the late '90s when we were traveling around playing basketball, in particular, and think about how I would I'd give my left nut to do that again yeah. one more one more time and just kind yeah of, you know you you don't realize how lucky you are um, you know cause like they said there were no cell phones so we it was just us with our with our Walkmans and going to random random shopping malls and random that's things. right uh, lots of malls lots of laser tag and uh yeah. you know hotel room nonsense and uh yeah a lot it of fun so much, it was so yeah. much fun I ordering radar and movies and yeah. buying sneakers <laughs> and just who could get the, the coolest black nike socks at the mall that's <laughs> right that. well, you always have the coolest uh, gear because you had you had the Elmwood Sport. You you were bankrolled. Yeah, that's so right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. This came out. Up, like, yeah. Look at these. Listen, <laughs> listening to whatever uh, you know, whatever DJ Sab the the ill finger was uh, was recommending uh, at the time. You know, whatever whatever mixtape was was hot. It was like, oh, this is cool. We'll, we'll listen to this. Sure. No exactly. Yeah. What it is. Yeah. No yeah. What it is. Not my style. You. <laughs> I felt like John Stockton, you know, in the clothes I was wearing compared. You were like Cam Newton. You had the, you had anything. You know what I mean? Whatever. It was just, just how it now, felt. Now, now I wear skinny jeans and vans. That's right. <laughs> it all vans. comes full circle. Oh. Yeah, exactly. My days of skinny anything are gone. So it's all good. <laughs> oh, dude. It's, it's so well, – I wear like the stretchy skinny jeans now. That's <laughs> now holding on to those and then pretty soon it's, it's, it's all downhill. You know how it is. It's kids for you. That's um, right. All right, so we're going to hit the draft up because we've got about 50 minutes left. Um, fantasy football style, so snake draft. we start Eric. We'll go Mazza. I'll come up last. We're going to do uh, best big game pitchers. So you can pick a, of all time. You can pick any pitcher you want. And even if you only had a great season, not like if you only had one game, but if you, you know a stud for one season, you can uh, you can pick him as well. Okay. All right. Eric, first of all. All right. Well, I'm going to start with um, this is not in any particular order as much as it is just guys that to me were big game pitchers and I loved. Uh, so my first pick, I think, is going to be John Smoltz, who just has more strikeouts in postseason play than any pitcher. And still to this day, the two best playoff games I can remember watching uh, him lose to Jack Morris in a one nothing game in like the early 90s, but then him losing one nothing to Andy Pettit in the 1996 World Series, guy was just an animal. That was before he moved to uh, to a closer, right? That was, that was It was year. before, yeah. Yep. He, uh, first of all, he's number one on my board, so thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking my first pick. But uh, that, those Atlanta Braves teams with him, Glavin, and um, – Maddox. 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 Oh, my God. Nuts. All right, Mazza, what do you got? All right. Well, Eric's going to laugh at anyways as we go through this because just preface, you know, I'm more of a basketball guy, but uh, <laughs> baseball, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring, but that's all right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to go first pick. Uh, I got to go Pedro Martinez, uh, you know, moving to Boston uh, right out of school back in, uh, you know, 04. And living those years, uh, you know, when Boston really, really was a baseball town, uh, you know, it's 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 changed a bit, you know, when 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 Tom in the Tom Brady era, uh, but uh, you know, going spending a lot of time at, at Fenway uh, and and seeing those games, you know, I got to I got to tip, throw a nod to Pedro there. I dig it. Good pick. I'm gonna go. 
I go down my list here. I'm going to preface this way. I'm going to try to go all Yankees. Ooh. Oh, wow. Go, okay. I'm going to start with Mariano. One. Take a little Mariano Rivera. Even though he's a closer. You know, 42 saves in the postseason. The theme music comes Red Sox, on, yeah. and, you, and you just and you, and you know you just you walk off you walk off the field. You just you know he's you know he's got it. Um, and then I'm gonna take no, I'm gonna wait for that one later. I don't know he's gonna pick me. I'm gonna I'm making it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, David Wells. Ooh, 2000s David Wells. Ooh. big set of balls. A big fella. Even though I could have gotten him probably later. I also love that he wore the uh, the Babe Ruth hat. And that he reeked of beer yeah. for any start. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Beer and probably not, not sure. Yeah. yeah. He was a phenomenal athlete. He was like the peak of physical fitness. <laughs> not your prototypical. He's like the John Daly of uh, baseball, <laughs> I guess, right? But you have to respect that guy who just like, yeah, his career could have went a little bit longer and better, but he had fun. Oh, yeah. He, he enjoyed every part of being a celebrity and being a, a professional. Baby. Imagine like if he really like worked out and like, Put in some, like some work, right? You wonder if it would have changed him, though. You know, you see that sure. happen to guys. Some, you know, they they change their body composition, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore. I know if you're not like you're not having fun. Then is, he, is he really going to be able to pitch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, what do you got? This back to me. Yep. All right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Red Sox for now. You know, uh, and go. Uh, that same kind of era, I'm going to go shilling. You know, the, the bloody sock will go down in, in history, and I think has already. Uh, uh, He's 11-2 and two in the postseason, 4-1 and one in the World Series. Only yep. loss in the World Series was in 1993 when he pitched for Philadelphia. So be honest. So I'm just going to throw are, out these fun you, facts. Do you have that? Like by memory, or is that on the computer screen? I did some. Uh, I did a little research. Like a little light research. Like I, re- I, did I basically read like as well. Yeah, <laughs> you can't read, be his like, postseason. I mean, he, he went big. You told me big game pitcher, so I mean, I'm saying, <laughs> uh, you know, with that many postseason games, it's, it's hard to argue. All right, what do you got, Eric? You're in. Oh, uh, well, you know, you. I want to go Yankees now just because you uh, – so I want to steal a couple of yours while we do this. So I'm going to go with the uh, record holder for playoff wins, Andy Pettit. Uh, 19 playoff wins, 183 strikeouts, five World Series championships, yeah. and as big a game pitcher as you can possibly throw on the mound. You chalk him in for two wins in a World Series, easy, and for the third if you need him. It's just dangerous. I mean, gets righties out, gets lefties out, wins, and he's got a dirty pickoff move. All right, and one more. Um, I'll get away from the Yankees, and I'm going to do a throwback here. Uh, just because he just passed away, I'm going to go with Bob Gibson. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Major League Baseball actually had to move the mound back uh, a foot or two because he was so good. Okay, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to read up on that, but... I know he lost his first and last World Series game. He started with seven and zero in between that, and he threw ah uh, like seventy one innings and struck out eighty six guys. Like he is just an animal, and he just died like three days ago. So that's for Bob. I dig it. I dig it. R.I.P. <laughs> Nasla, what do you got? All right, I'm going. I, I thought maybe he'd go go at the top, but I'm going to go Nolan Ryan. Uh, Ooh. 
I didn't I didn't name my first son after him, but it also uh, a little uh, near and dear. My first son's name is Nolan, so I had to I had to get him on my team if I could get him. So I mean, uh, hard to argue, you know. All time strikeouts, no hits. You know, it's uh, that's solid. Andy's name, and you named your son after him. That's where you, you tell your son that you drafted him. You know. That's right. I'm, yeah, if he, if if, uh, if basketball doesn't work out and, and he's going to be tall, then maybe I can get him on the mound. You know? Don't don't send the five star camp when he's 14 years old. <laughs> well, if you're still at Salve, you know maybe we got a shot for him to play down hey, there. Yeah. Let's go. You let's know, be. you know a guy. That's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I got two. I'm going to go uh, Clemens. I'm going to take Clemens. Got it. Roger Clemens. And then I'm going to come back with – I'm going to go David Cohn. Ooh. Great pick. I like the pick. I'm, I'm going to still take Cohn. I, I was going to go Great pitcher. Else, but I'm pretty sure I have one more. I think I don't know. All right. I think I'm yeah. just going to take the two Yankees just to, to, just to <laughs> screw with you on the way back. Mazza, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? All right, uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Eckersley. Ooh, the I'm gonna go for yeah. I mean, he just everyone just yeah. remembers again. the home run he gave yeah. up in the World Series. How big was that? The yeah, but, I mean, the bases. Uh, you know that haircut alone. It haircut alone, yeah. mustache <laughs> combo. Uh, you know, plus I mean, uh, as far as uh, you know, his saves and uh, you know. Uh, and plus, I plus I like to listen to him these days, uh, yeah. you know, in the box in the booth. So, yeah. nice. All right, we all right. Two, two Yankees now. All right, I, you know, I'm not going to do two Yankees, but I I will do one. Um, first is Whitey Ford, ten World Series wins. Okay. Um, every every dynasty needs a guy, and when yeah. Mantle and you know all those guys were with the Yankees, it was Whitey Ford, and yeah. um, guys just a a G. And then how about Madison Baumgartner? Okay, five oh. World Series wins. Uh, he's got a .25 ERA in the World Series. And um, over 97 innings, I think he's got under two ERA. Guys, one, two with San Fran and uh, out to Clayton Kershaw multiple times. Good like pitcher. He's, he's number one. Now, he was number one on, like, one oh, of the all time. articles on, on I read. List. Yep, on multiple yeah. lists, he's number one. Yeah. And – he, uh, I think he's gotten a bad rap after the past couple of years. Like he, people are starting to forget how great he was. He was just, if he started, you just, okay, we're just going to go. We'll, we'll see you later. Yeah. You know, like unhittable. The W. And in an NL, if oh. NL, if he had a bat, he would, he could lose oh. a ball. Like, like he was oh, a, yeah. he was a guy. So he was a all around athlete. What do you got, Mazza? All right. Did you say this is last, last pick? Last final pick. All right, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with uh, somebody where I did uh, you know full disclosure did a little research too like Eric and I'm gonna throw out one of these stats because I thought it was interesting. I'm going Billy Wagner, and I read that he broke his arm when he was young and taught himself to throw lefty. I I can't even the things that I try to do lefty. Uh, you know I you know, I can get by on a basketball court, but uh, you know throw a ball. That's a whole and you know, now I got our division three right wrist. division so three everything pitcher. I try to do lefty, uh, unbelievable. Like I, I just got to give respect to to a guy that can do that just as an athlete. D three pitcher, he would throw the ball as far as he could, and then he would go pick it up and throw it in the other direction. That's how he got Jeez. good at pitching. Really? Yeah, true story. Yeah, D three guy. 
That's crazy. All right, last pick. All right, so I was going to go uh, like for the easy pick and go Babe Ruth just because how dominant he was. But I feel like that's lazy. So I'm going to go, and I was going to take him early. I'm going to go 2007. Just that year alone. Only one Beckett. good year. Becky. No. Yeah. Java Chamberlain. Ooh. So, so before all the, the bugs and stuff? Oh, before all the bugs. <laughs> yeah. That one season. I didn't hear about him after the bugs. I, I don't know how. I, would, I did research. And is, is that why you prefaced? You prefaced, you prefaced with, doesn't have to be all time. It can be just that one good season. You had him in the bag. He was, I was, uh, you know, exactly. I was actually discussing it with Todd when I thought he was still going to be on the show. Sure. And I'm like, can we get like just one solid season? Because, you know. Yeah. For that he, one year. Yeah, that can define a career. Out. Yeah. It is. He made $13 out. million dollars off that one season, uh, a career. And he's pretty much just a fat slob doing nothing now. And, you know, <laughs> has nightmares of Nets ruining his career but um i had a, i had right. a whole list i could have went 16 rounds and like i thought we were i had lester right. and oh geez. who else you got well, let's, i want to hear what the pro has yeah. jim let's, let's palmer brett saberhagen okay. how about oral hersheiser he he was mvp uh he won he was mvp of the alcs and the world series he was unhittable in the the yeah. world series with the earthquake i think it yeah. was that year yeah. Um, Sandy Koufax, you know, what he did before the age of 30 is unbelievable. Uh, Tom Seaver, Randy Johnson, Strasburg pretty much won the last World Series. Yeah. Uh, Josh Beckett, 2003 and 2007. That's where I thought you were going. Roy yeah. Holiday, who rests in peace, oh, yeah. um, threw a no no in his first playoff game ever. And then Ron Guidry was the Yankee that I thought was maybe your wild card. Um, no, I went. I went very obscure with one specific, specific person. Those but, are just uh, some guys I had on my list, and then uh, Roy Oswald too. I guess no. real big game, big game pitcher, and they like quantify. Yeah. They have an exact measurement for like what is a big game in major leagues. Well, and his overall he record was better than wasn't phenomenal. It, Roy, he was right? supposedly thirty-seven and nine in big, what's classified as big games. So, Mark, uh, fun like fact for, a for the viewers. Like you're at a disadvantage with this draft. Yeah, I, I think like so. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I swear to God, in 20 minutes I took between, like, practice plans passionate. and something else, I just wrote down a bunch of things. The, the draft topic it is, it's right the here. The original draft topic was going to be uh, favorite condiments. So huh. I feel like that would have been better. That would have been right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I said, yeah. Like, so that's why I'm not wearing anything skinny these days. Yeah. Condiments uh, I can do. <laughs> exactly all right guys well thank you so much for coming on mark thanks for hopping on at the end i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me i was glad to be a part of it. um next time you come in town definitely let us know and try to get a group of us together maybe we can hoop absolutely maybe hoop maybe golf here. let's I golf can still get around yeah. a little bit yeah i would definitely much rather have a round of golf there we yeah, go nice early morning round of golf sure um eric thank you so much for coming on uh looking forward to uh what this season holds for your program. Hopefully you do get a full baseball season in and uh, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And great, great uh, guest here, Mark. All right. Thank you <laughs> guys. Thank you so much. Um, this is uh, another episode of the York state athlete podcast. Uh, thanks for listening.
Guys, thanks for listening to the Ocean State Athlete Podcast with Matt and Todd. Check us out on Spotify, and uh, we're currently on uh, Apple Podcasts. So uh, give us a listen, subscribe, and uh, leave us a review. Thank you.